Hi, I'm Marcus Willis, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to episode 31 of the Functional Tennis Podcast. This week, we speak with a man who ignited a nation back in 2016 after an impressive run through pre-qualies, qualies, win the round, and then going on to face Roger Federer on center court at Wimbledon. It's Marcus Willis. Mark tells us all about that famous Wimbledon run. He tells us about being a top junior, challenges, injuries, ups and downs he's had throughout his career, and also future plans. It's a really interesting episode and great to speak to a tennis player who's so down to earth. As usual, before we get started, if you're new to the podcast, please hit subscribe or share it with anybody who you think may love the podcast. And also something that we haven't done before is shamelessly plug our match and practice journals. We have a match journal that helps players prepare for matches, helps them structure a game plan and also helps them evaluate matches after. And we also have one for practice sessions, which help you plan practice sessions and evaluate them afterwards and also get input from your coaches. And you can bring learnings from the match journal into the practice and vice versa. And it's a great ecosystem. And we've seen great results from people all over the world. Check out our website at functionaltennis.com if you want to know more about the journals or shoot me a message. I'm always happy to talk about it. Finally, a big shout out to our podcast sponsors, Head. Okay, let's hear Marcus's story. Hi, Marcus. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Hi, how you doing? Uh, very good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Tell me, what are you up to? Um, I'm just started training again as of a couple of weeks ago because I want to yeah, uh, start playing again. I've had a, a bit of time out through through injury, through having a couple of kids, stuff like that, really. Uh, you've kid, kid number two arrived, did they? Kid number two arrived uh, yeah, nearly nine months ago, so yeah. Great. I've been lacking in the sleep department. That's, that's about it. Great. I hope you haven't been tracking your sleep. <laughs> I haven't, no. No, there's no point. You're better off. So uh, you're, in, you're back healthy again and ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I'm paying, paying for it at the moment. I've had a bit of everything. I did my ankle back and more recently I've, I've had an elbow and shoulder problem. So it's not perfect still yet, but I've got a, a month or so to sort it out, I think. Great. So you're going to go full time then? Uh, that's the plan. That's the plan. Focus on mainly doubles. But if I have to play singles, I don't mind doing that as well. Keeps me fit. As mentioned just before we jumped on here, uh, I met Sam Barry the other day and who you know through the tour. And I was like, well, I asked Marcus and he goes, oh, well, tell, I'm tell you about the story about the time we played in the final and you guys ended up warming up, rooming together because obviously to save money, you warmed up together. You probably had dinner together. Yeah. We had dinner the night before together as well, yeah, so. And then you played together and then he stopped and that was it. And I was like, Sam, who won? <laughs> yeah, he didn't, want to, he didn't want to carry on with the story. No. That was a good final as well. It was like, it was, it was like four and six or six and four or something. Uh, six and four. Six, did you, you knew Sam well? Yeah, I mean, obviously English speaking and we, we've played very similar tournaments. So saw the Irish had quite a lot uh, on the tour. And uh, yeah, he's a nice chap. So he just... We're all in the same boat. That's the thing. When you're playing futures and stuff, it's 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 okay to have friends and stuff. But like, 
we had dinner together here and then as soon as you step on the match court, you try and win and then that's it. And then you go to the next tournament. It should be that simple. Yeah, no, it should. But, but yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is strange in a way. We're having dinner, chatting about footy and then we both got a we got play each other the next day. Love it. It's great. It's great. So it's better than sitting sitting by yourself in room service and staring at hotel walls, isn't it, I guess? True. And Sam asked question why don't you ask him like why didn't you concentrate on doubles but it looks like you're doing that now yeah exactly i mean i, I still love singles as well but yeah at the end of the day you got to try and make some make some money haven't you it's it, it's going to be very hard but my game suits doubles you know especially now a lot more um i probably should have done it earlier but um there's a stubborn side to me that still you know still still believes in myself probably a bit too much so there's nothing wrong with that at all. i still do at a way lower level but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I've seen like Sam. I've seen your I've seen you play. Uh, Sam's told me, and I know your game is made for doubles. And you're probably young right now for the doubles game. Anyway, you're still under thirty. Yeah, I am. I've got some time if I can stay healthy. I've got a lot to improve as well. It's it's not easy to get there, but with the right steps and and yeah, we got some very good doubles coaches available to us. Then um, yeah, I, I think it's very possible for me to to make a living out of doubles. Are you doing it under the LTA or? To another angle. I don't know their system at the moment, but I, I haven't had help for uh, since I was 17, I believe. Also from the LTA, they, they had a good bonus scheme, which helped a lot of players out, but then that, that lasted a year or two and, and that stopped. So no, I, I'm not quite sure what the system is there, but yeah, it's uh, I'm doing it my own way. <laughs> Great. Well, look, there's no right or wrong here. Obviously, if you can do the way that you get a bit of help, it makes it a bit easier if you like the coaches. It would be, yeah, but it, it, it seems like uh, you, you get help when, help when you don't need it anymore. If you're a top doubles player, then you start getting help. So. It's a chicken and egg, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah they, they back you when you've already crossed the line, unfortunately. But hey, I mean, I, I, guess, I guess the top guys aren't complaining, to be honest. And they've worked to get there. So it's not like I wouldn't reap the reward if I got there. There's so many good doubles guys in the UK now. There must be seven or eight in the top 100 now, is there? No, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, um, Louis Kyle's massively to do with that, I think. There's no accident when he's come in. If you just look at the numbers, they're all out in Boca on the preseason, and Louis's there, a few couple of other coaches as well. <laughs> they're obviously doing something right. Just doing what he tells them. They're doing something right over here, yeah. You know, we had last week's guest, David. Do you know Dave O'Hare? Yes, I do. I know Dave O'Hare very well. He worked with Louis all year actually he? yeah he was working he did the full year on and off but uh, he was working with all the English lads and he Brilliant. did a great year so he picked up loads from Louis so hopefully some stage you can transfer it over to the Irish kids yeah absolutely fine yeah so tell me Marcus you were a top junior you were what top 15 in the world and quite success how hard is it to go from top junior in the world onto the senior level yeah it's, it's the hardest thing um, to do if you've got no help, even if you do have help, that, that's when I did have a little bit of funding available to me. Sorry, I had a coach and stuff like that for, for nine months or a year. Yeah, you can't really prepare for that because the junior, obviously, I was number 14 in the world. I think I finished 15. Um, and there's no prize money, but everything's free. Everything's free when you're playing the, the big junior tournaments. So when you then, all of a sudden, you've got, I had, I had a few points. I think I'm qualified. I made a final of Glasgow straight away. So I had a few points. But you have to go abroad to places by yourself and try and compete in places you're, you're unfamiliar with. And, and you don't get given nice hotels or free stuff. It's all, you know, you're running down, you're running down, a, running up a big bill pretty much. And yeah, you lose in the semis, you get 680p points and a couple hundred dollars. That's what it was back then. It's kind of a, yeah, when, when are you going to run out of money? Or you've got to win an awful lot and play the challenges. But when I say an awful lot, I'm... <laughs> I think there were guys, uh, I think Josh Goodall, a good friend of mine, he won 
don't know, seven, eight of these in a row and you still maybe Grand Slam qualifying. You've got 200 in the world, two, 300 in the world. So you have to basically not lose and and have the money to continue. So it's a very, very difficult transition. And you're not making money. You can't make money. I did because I, I was lucky with a private sponsor. Um, A1 Pharmaceutical sponsored me for a good year and a half, two years when I quit the first time. So I went from no ranking to 320 in one year. But I was lucky. I had a sponsor. Everyone else, you got to go French League, German League matches. And that's only if you're a, a high world ranked player, you get paid a grand or so a match. I mean, that's only during May at the weekend. So you've got to play your tournament and then get your flight to the French League and then fly back Sunday night and then play tournament again. It's, it's very difficult. Looking back, you're 17, 18 again. What would you do differently? What would I have done differently with my personality and character? I don't know. Because when you, you know, people, people can say what they like about me and I'm a funny guy, whatever. But I, as soon as I got on the court, I worked my nuts off. Um, and, and same with my gym, just off court, I joked around. But I couldn't have worked any harder. Maybe a few decisions off court. But again, that, that's me as an individual. I probably would have gone to American college. I'm sorry, most, most definitely gone to American college now if I had my time again. But... At that time, it just wasn't done and I was 14 in the world and everyone said to me, I'll just go pro. So it wasn't even really a serious thought. But knowing what I do now, 100% I would have gone to American college. What should make that difference of going to college and going pro? How I know it only some, there's only a handful of special people that should go pro or? I think a very, very, yeah. I think most people should go to college, even if you're very good. I think you need to go because the level out there is so good. You get scholarship, so you're not paying anything if you still got a good ranking you still get a very good deal so you might get 95 percent scholarship or whatever so very very good tennis players you're competing all the time in high intensity and very very tough situations and, and picking up life skills as well you meet friends with your team you play matches you're training you're training probably the same if not more than you would do playing on the tour in better environments better environments not paying anything and actually you come out of college if you haven't gone pro already after the first two years, which also is an option, you're coming out of college with a degree and with all those experiences of matches, pretty fresh, and, and, and you're coming out a much better tennis player if you've gone there and taken it seriously. And, and, and if not, if tennis isn't for you, which it obviously is for me, if it's not for you, come out with a degree. Yeah, you're, you're taking a lot of boxes. So yeah, all, all you throw all your eggs into one basket, hope for a sponsor, hope to break the top 200 in your first year to play Grand Slams, qualify for one of those, and then, <laughs> then you start seeing some money back. Doesn't happen. That just doesn't happen very often. You, your Dimitrovs, your Dimonors, they're, they're freaks. How much of the top 100 can, can just bowl out of 16, 17 years old and play at Grand Slam level? Not many. And, and they would have had a lot of support as well. Definitely a lot. You're right. A lot of money behind them. So you go, you decide, I'm going pro here. You get a good start in Edinburgh, was it? Glasgow. Glasgow, sorry. You get a good start. Yeah, qualified, made final off to Evo, actually. This is so easy. I'm making this transition so easy. So Wimbledon was about seven or eight years after, yeah. roughly, was it? What goes on between those seven or eight years? I know at one stage you say you had some financing. You got to about 300 with some sponsorship. Yeah, that was well, like 22, 23 years old then, maybe 22. Then that runs out? Then, yeah. For, so, yeah I mean, the thing is with sponsors, you've got to be doing something for them as well. And it came to a point where well, the sponsor wanted to play matches during where I should have been playing challenges. So it became sort of impossible to work it out that way. I don't believe in just taking money off someone and not offering them or giving them something back. I don't think it work, It should work like that. But yeah, so for a year, a year and a half, I got to 220 doubles, played Wimbledon qualifying doubles, lost six and six. Played singles as well, uh, wouldn't be qualifying, but yeah. 
didn't didn't have a very good match there. But yeah, I was I was knocking on the door, mm. and then again you get to that you're back to square one again. So I had to stop playing, coach, play the French league matches, basically stopped all the tournaments in the UK. So there goes your tennis career. If you, if you can't travel when you live on an island, you're buggered, aren't you? Before we go on to Wimbledon, did you ever play the Irish Open? I did. I played it once when I was young, and it was one of my favourite tournaments ever. Um, and then it it sort of clashed with County Week, which I was, you know, I play for my county there, and and there's sponsorship opportunities there, so it always clashes with that, unfortunately, at the moment. But it was that. Where was it? At Fitzwilliam College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a lovely club, yeah. So I really enjoyed that week. Strange courts, but suited my game. I lost to James McGee actually. He yeah. kicked my ass. Oh God! I think he won it there. Won he won I think, it? Yeah, I think he won it the year I played him. I had him, yeah, second round. Not very, not very pleasant. On a wet, sort of artificial grass court, and I, it was actually on an indoor court. For some reason, it, it was too rainy. I wouldn't have mind played him so much on those outside courts. I played him on the on a new, brand new, slow indoor court. I think it was five and two or something. Yeah. Okay, so that explains <laughs> it. But so <laughs> let's touch on to Wimbledon, your great run there, and all the press you got. How was that experience? Oh, first of all, in the lead up to it, I listened to a podcast and you mentioned that every day you used to check out of your hotel. This is what you do when you're on on the tour. Um, you check out your hotel. You leave your bags there behind reception or take it to the site with you. Because if you lose, you, you want to fly home. You don't want to spend another 100 quid. In a, it was probably more like 200 at Wimbledon. You don't want to spend another whatever it is abroad when you can put that towards something else. You have to be proper tight. Yeah. So I got used to that habit. And also, I quite enjoyed going home or back to wherever I was staying at that moment. So yeah, yeah I checked out every morning, got into a routine. I wasn't expected to win, to be honest. I wasn't massively surprised. But like, yeah, I'd check out and think I'll, I'll get straight back to Warwick if I lose. Yeah, you're like, okay, you're ready to go. But yeah, exactly. So you had no pressure really on yourself. Is that what you're saying a little bit? Not at all. Not at all. When I pre-qualified, I was happy. I mean, me and my girl, my, my now wife at the time, yeah, we were always planning on getting engaged. And uh, the ring we wanted was two, a couple of grand. Great. The ring she wanted, sorry. I, I don't yeah. really care. No, that's uh, great. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and so when I pre-qualified, I said, look, I've got four grand now. It's fair. And so we were just happy for anything from there. And then obviously I doubled every time I won a match in qualifying. And then, yeah, all of a sudden you're looking at 50. And all of a sudden, she started looking at more expensive rings. No, I'm joking. Yeah, the same. T- so you're still in the same boat. But I saw in qualities like you beat Sagida, Rublev, Medvedev, like yeah, such great names now. I mean, yeah, I think a, less than a year later, they were all top fifty. I knew when I when I played them. Actually, um, I was six one down Sagita in eighteen minutes, just misfiring a little bit, playing all right, but. It could have all been very different, but yeah, I didn't have the best draw. They, they made me earn it. <laughs> they made me earn it to, to qualify, but I'm, I'm so much happier that way than, you know, getting a walkover or lucky loser or something like that. I, by the time I played Barankis first round, I'd just beat Medvedev in four sets. So you were sharp. Actually play, playing Barankis wasn't, wasn't hard compared to what I'd done on the Friday. Just a case of keeping my nerve. How are your nerves? All right. Yeah. But everyone, when you walk on court and everyone's cheering, it, it relaxes you, doesn't it? it it's silence I don't like. <laughs> when things go quiet, <laughs> when you can hear a pin drop, I'm, oh, that's when I get. I, I've been nervous in some exhibition matches before. It's really, it's really random when nervousness hits me. I don't know when it's coming, but it didn't. Certainly didn't hit me then. Brankus, obviously, the press were building it up at the time. If if Marcus beats Brankus, he plays Federer. So you take down Brankus, who is obviously he's been hampered by injury as well, but he's a great player. Yeah, and. What was the press and reaction like before the Federer match? Were all your mates texting you? Was your phone just hopping? 
my phone was going nuts. Yeah, I, did, I, I, I probably finished replying to people about a month after. Some people, obviously, yeah, I couldn't get through them all. I didn't want to get through them all. Close family members would call me, so that was fine. But yeah, no, it took a while to sift through all the messages and stuff like that. And tickets was also a nightmare. Everyone all of a sudden wanted a ticket. And you're like, oh, well, you've spoken to me once all year and now you want a Wimbledon ticket. <laughs> Were you handling the ticket allocation yourself? No, I uh, I had someone helping me at the time, luckily, because I, I told him a list of people I definitely wanted there and then see what you got to do because, yeah, I didn't have enough time to worry about, you know, stuff like that. True. And sponsors were the sun on to you saying, can you wear this patch on your bum? Oh, so that was all looked after. I had like a standing agent for those Great. few weeks. So I had to turn down 20 grand from the sun, which was, well, it was very easy to do, but 20 grand's nice. Yeah, it is. Very nice. Obviously, being a Liverpool fan, I'm not going to do that. No, you can't do that. No, no, no. I'm sitting and didn't even cross my mind. And, and my agent was telling me they're going to pay you more. And I just said, look, no amount of money. I'm not wearing that much. I must leave. But yeah, no, sponsors are piling in. People are very interested every now and again. Did you sleep the night before you played Fed? Really well. I was exhausted. So Okay. It wasn't just seven matches to, was it eight? Seven to get to Federer. It was the press and the media and, and everything like that. It just exhausts you. So um, I didn't have a problem sleeping at all. Great. Um, and, and you start late. So night before I played Barranca, so I was up at 20 to twenty to midnight packing my bag and going through my new night kit. I was loving it. Love it. You're wearing the RF gear, were you? Yeah. Uh, no, not against Barrancas. I wore the RF shirt because uh, to wear patches, there's a, there's a clause that you can't wear the newest night kit, basically. So I can't remember exactly how much I got, but it was worth me wearing that RF shirt. Okay. So I could put a patch on it. Obviously, everyone yeah thought I did it because I love Feds, which I do. Yeah. Got a lot of love for that man, but I would have worn the newest kit if I if I could. Yeah, obviously, look the sharpest as you can on the big arena. Exactly. Yeah. So join over ten thousand people who have downloaded our free match and practice PDFs over at functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. Our match and practice PDFs help you plan and evaluate your matches and practices. We have some other free downloads there for you too. So make sure you go over to functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads. So what's it like that walking out in the center court like with what seventeen, eighteen thousand people? Uh, yeah. Um it was all right. Yeah, I was, I was sort of used to it. We did the walk. It was more the walk through the Wimbledon club that, that's more scary. There's like a walk you do from, from the change rooms through the clubs and onto the court. And everyone sort of stood there watching you walk on. You're like, oh. <laughs> and when I got onto court, I was all right. I had, a, I had a game plan in my head. So it was just getting through the warm-up. And actually, I really hurt my, my stomach before the match. In? As a, sorry, I did it in the third set against Barankis. I felt something, oh, felt something hurt. So I was just looking after that, painkillered up and... And get on with it. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't, yeah, I, I had plans. If you've got a plan, it's it's normally okay. What was plan A? Survive or...? It, yeah, it was just trying to stay injury-free, stay relaxed. And then it was actually trying to target his shorter backhand because in his first round against Peller, he looked in pain a little bit. He didn't have a very good first round and he was struggling with a, with a low shorthand. But I think he had some work done <laughs> because... I hit it there and he, he seemed pretty pain-free. So then I had to adapt again and change. But but yeah, obviously I was struggling with my serve. My body was hurting. When I started landing my serve um, a bit better, then I got more free points and into the match a bit. And by the end, I had a chance to maybe look at winning a set at a break point of serve for the third set, I think. And um didn't quite happen. But uh, after the first set, I was, I was happy with my performance. Yeah, no, it was good. I was re-watching the highlights last night. And obviously you hit, you hit yeah. that famous, incredible lob. The whole point. Yeah, I kept falling over in the first set as well. The courts are very different. So um, what? Yeah, what you don't realise is that yeah, it's a bit, it, they shut the roof. So I don't know if it was. If, I don't know if I'm making excuses here because Roger didn't fall over. But no, I felt very. Uh, I felt very different to 
the court, the, the ground underneath me felt very different to the outside courts. Let's put it that way. The outside courts were a little quicker as well, I thought. I don't know how many times he, 30, 40 times played on that court. It was your first time. Yeah, I guess he's used to it, yeah. So he knows all the little tricky areas. He knows all the slippery parts, yeah. He does. And he'll try and put you there, which he did. <laughs> yeah, well, I, know. I was running all over the place. Tell me, what happened after? Obviously, the press still went went mad. How was your life afterwards? Did it change at all? Yeah, obviously, like the, the Hello magazine stuff, and it, it's all nice. But then you sort of you sort of dropped like a month or two later. That's it. It's quite I don't know. Traumatizing is the wrong word, but it's not all good. No one really prepares you to be just in the in the world again and in a quiet room. And yeah, it's it's pretty stressful actually. Yeah. So for me and my wife and and people around me, it was quite hard for a while. Especially when, then when I got injured, and you just you just you feel like yeah, I don't know. It's strange to explain. It's not all positive all the time. Sort of imagine, yeah, you're thrown it, you're thrown in the in the public eye, and all this interest, and then then it just stops again. So yeah, that's what I'm doing again now. I've had a couple of injuries. Obviously, I'm very lucky to have my two, four children, and then yeah, so I'm starting square one again. Yeah, it's not been always easy for sure. I can imagine that where you're you're thrown into the public eye, and then. Obviously, nobody wants to know you then. They move on. Well, the world moves on. Kind of a bit, yeah. I'm, I'm like, again, now you're having the same conversations with people looking for sponsorship. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to try, and, try and even train for free now rather than try, try and, you know, people want you to pay to go and use facilities and stuff. I'm not used to that, which is fine. But it's just another expense. And you're thinking you've got kids as well. It's like a couple of years ago, people were inviting you to come in and train when you're doing well. And then, then you're like, hold on, I'm starting off again. I'm, you know, I need to get myself into shape. And they look at you and, yeah, it's going to cost you this much. And you're thinking, okay. That's the way the world is. It will never change. Um, and, and I get it. Like, well, why would someone give you something when you're not there? But in the same way, you think, oh, the people actually need help. Guys at the top, they, they don't need it. I, I would have happily paid to, to enter places before when I had the money. It's not, not an issue. Mm. Uh, but unfortunately, it doesn't happen like that. Maybe there should be a reverse prize money system. I don't know. Yeah, there's something. Something's not working, is it? No, no. But again, for tournaments, they want the top guys in there winning. So they're going to pay them. They're going to put them on their favorite court. They're going to, because it makes more money for the tournament as a business. You don't really want top guys losing. You don't want... No, you need them sticking. Unheard of qualifiers doing doing really well all the time. Even though the crowd love to see it, the tournaments don't. To the sponsors. The sponsors, the tournaments. Yeah, it's, yeah. but for me and you watching, I massively favour the underdog all the time. Yeah, it's most fun. Yeah, it is, yeah. And tell me, Marcus, so you became a dad and apart from adding financial pressure to you, how's it changed your outlook on your tennis career? I'm much, I'm not, I'm much less bothered by everything now. I used to be a bit feisty and fiery on court and now I'm thinking, I look back and, and I think, why was I like that? Um, there was no need. But it's just, again, that's the way I was. That's the way I am. Um, could get quite irate, could get quite gobby to umpires and stuff. And you sit back and have a think and none of the stuff would really bother me so much anymore. So yeah, I'd say I'm more relaxed, probably more patient, touch wood. In the same way, yeah, the lack of sleep's brutal. Eh? Um, <laughs> when you're up and yeah, last week was fine because my baby's just about trying to sleep through now, so last two nights she's gone through but when obviously my wife does a lot but she's working as well so when you're up at like I say midnight three and six broken sleep really really hit me and then I'm waking up knackered and then so I was injured and probably didn't rehab as well as I should have done but yeah you, my decision making goes out the window as well I'll just have a couple of bits of toast I'll nail a packet of crisps and then I'll go yeah yeah it, it makes everything a lot harder especially without a plan especially when you're injured especially when you're not sleeping it's you feel like your back's really against the wall. But yeah, I'm coming through it now. A lot of it's acceptance as well. If I go to bed tonight and, and accept, I'm probably going to be up a couple of times and I'm probably going to be tired tomorrow. But I've got no crap food in my house now. So you don't wake up tired and eat crap anymore. 
because it's not there. Those are the things make a big difference. We have a five-month-old who just came actually, I think when I launched the podcast and obviously it's made it really challenging. You're right. Your decision-making goes down the drain when you're tired. You'll do the easy stuff. You'll eat the bad food, the crisps, the chocolate, all the coffees and sometimes... A lot of kids don't want to eat vegetables and, and chicken. So there's crap around the house a lot and they want little treats and as, as kids should, but golly, it's when I'm eating their treats. <laughs> There's none left, Daddy. There's none left, Daddy. I love my food as well. I always will. So I'm even like tonight, I'm looking forward to my chicken, and but I'm making sure it's healthy now. And occasionally, one, once a week or so, I'll, if I want it, I'll pick up a you know something something unhealthy if I want and, and smash it. But it's little rules. So yeah. There's nothing wrong. Again, where I live after Wimbledon, you're meeting up with friends that you haven't seen for ages, and a couple of beers here and a glass of wine here. It adds up. It certainly does. It adds up and. Uh, but yeah, so I've had my struggles. I'm losing weight again now. I've, I've done this twice before, so I know I can do it again. But yeah, as I said, the lack of sleep gives you less energy. So I, I just have to be very, very organized now, which isn't something I was amazingly good at before. You learn new skills. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, I am learning, still learning new skills. Uh, we had Rashid from Touch Tennis on here ages ago. <laughs> and he did make you out to be quite a good Touch Tennis player. He has you up there. I'd like to think I am. I'd like to think if I played a lot, I'd, yeah, I went through a run of being unbeaten for a while. It's such a fun game. I can't tell you. Yeah, you enjoy it. Can't tell you how fun it is. And it's a day, it's a Sunday out of your life, which it's harder. And now I've got kids, but I told him, told him oh, I'm going to play a few more tournaments if I can this year, just because it's fun. Yeah, he's a good guy. Oh, so, so much fun. Great guy. Pleasure to play a tournament for. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you come home. I came out, you come home knackered, but. Um, with a smile on your face, which is which is always important as well. Because sometimes training, it, it, it's not all that training. It's pretty bloody boring, if I'm honest. Being a pro tennis player, I mean, I, I, the guys here at the top, I've got so much respect for. They sacrifice every ounce of fun to do the boring stuff, the stretching, the weighing. You, I'm weighing my food now. Never thought I'd say that. So I've got my macro. So I, I eat a certain amount of carbs, protein, and fat each day, and I make sure I don't go over it. So I've got food scales. Um, it's boring. There's, there's nothing glamorous about it, but. Yeah, I'm not even guaranteed to get there, but it's what I've got to do. Yeah, I think if you take care of those small little bits. Oh, for sure. For sure. But yeah, I mean, if Djokovic didn't do that, would it affect him? We don't know, but he's not going to take that risk. No. Those guys are just to, to the T. Yeah, no, they're amazing. So we're going to jump in here. We're going to end this with some questions we have from some Instagrammers who we reached out and I saw you reposted. And we're, I don't know if you know some of these guys, but uh, Henner's 141. No. no. Okay. We just said the favorite boy you've coached, so I'm not sure if it rings a bell, but <laughs> does it ring a bell? I don't, I don't have favorites. No, okay. They're all They're my all favorites. Your... How about that? The Progress Tour have asked, when will you make your Progress Tour debut? I just literally, that's so funny they asked that. I've just been looking online now, planning some sort of tournament schedule around my French League and NCL matches and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning to play some, but I, the, the full diary's not out yet, so I don't know. But I am going to play more progress tours and British tours if I can. Um, but yeah, it will be done when it, when when it when it suits. So the first one I'm, I've got to go to a wedding, unfortunately, so um, I won't be able to make that one. But I do I do intend. Uh, they'll be happy with that. Um, um, Res Adongan nineteen. Some of these Instagram handles are strange. Ask we. I know we've touched on this already. What are your ambitions for the next few years? This year's just getting myself going. I don't have any ranking targets in particular. Next few years, I want to be playing at a Grand Slam level in doubles um, and make it make a good living from my career. That that is the goal. Um, I'd love. Sounds ridiculous, but but I'd like to top twenty, top ten in the world, top ten in the world doubles. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, pushing, pushing, pushing for the O2. No, not the O2 anymore. But do you know what I mean? I want to be a, a good, double, a very good doubles player. That's it. You're not doing it to take part. You're doing it to be the best. 
No, yeah, exactly. I'm not doing it to get as high as I can, and I believe I can. But I'm very aware how hard it's going to be, and I could also, yeah, not make my breakthrough, but I'm willing to take that risk, I guess. Good man, good man. And uh, here we go. Connor Chapel. remember that tweener you hit against Neil? Does that ring any bells at all? Yes, that was a county cup. Was that a Bromley? I don't know. He just says, Connor, Ch- remember that tweener you hit against Neil? And he's laughing. I have no idea. I do remember that. It was a joke. I think I've got the footage because it was on play site, but I don't know how to share it. I have no idea. I could throw that one up. It's a good yeah. one. It was, it, was, it was good. I absolutely zinged it past. A good friend, Pete Botwell, says, will Cartman ever make a return to the tour and are A1 going to fire it up in NCL this year? <laughs> A1 are going to fire it up in NCL for sure. Cartman, I'm trying to get rid of Cartman. <laughs> so so hopefully not. In fact, he definitely, yeah, you're not going to see him. I'm not going to step on the court if I'm fat. I love it. I love it. And but, Yeah, good, good fun that was. And Pete asked again, who's your favourite Irish player? Favourite Irish? Is this, is this Pete? Uh, Bartwell. Crystal Fee Yeah, oh, fantastic. Who's my favourite Irish player? I mean, that's harsh, man. Um, right now, is, is, who's playing? I can't answer it's that. Simon right Carr and Pete. It's probably him. Simon Carr's decent player. Julian Bradley. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. But it's not Pete Bottle. Pete Bottle. That's the answer he was looking for. <laughs> he says he'd be. No, no I'm not going to give him. No, that. he said he'd be good uh, at. Let's go, Barry King. The, oh, the Kinger. The Kinger still. He's not playing much, but he's coaching now. No, I know, but yeah, but he's he's still probably my favourite Irishman ever. He's play. good. He's a good guy. I uh, I got a funny story with King, and we we got stuck in the volcanic volcanic ice cloud. Oh yeah, uh, in Madrid, and we slept on a train station floor, and they had to get a thirty six hour ferry. And he's so professional. I went to the gym with him. I, yeah, so I joined him on this one, <laughs> and we were doing planks on the bottom floor. Of this, and like you could feel the wind, <laughs> you feel the wind swaying us. But yeah, that's that's an, that's another one for one hour. That was a good story. He was a pro. Coach Simon from Top Tennis Training wants to know if he retired, but we know the answer to that. No, no. Uh, Jay Clark wants to know who's the best doubles player you ever played with. Oh, Jay Clark, <laughs> Jay, Jay, Jay Clark for sure. Yeah, we beat Heather Mahu. That's not a bad win, though. That was a great run at Wimby. Yeah, so I can't really can't say any other. I mean, the guy, the guy. Yeah, he, he's he's allowed to play with me if he wants, but I don't I don't have a ranking at the moment. So he may not want to play with you then. <laughs> he might not want to play with me if he's not going to get into tournaments. Um, it's probably not not too uh, inviting. And tell me. Last question, Marcus. It's been asked here loads of times. What advice do you have for young juniors? Number one for me is make sure that you're enjoying your tennis. Because, again, I don't mean to put a downer on things, but there's too many too many kids giving up at 12, 13, 14 because they're not finding it fun anymore. So, yeah, just make sure you're enjoying it and work as hard as you possibly can. That's it. And go to college. And go to college. If you've got the option to go to college, get out there. Yeah, that's great. Get to America. Marcus, uh, thank you very much. That was Great speaking to you. Really enjoyed that. Brilliant. Fantastic. Good man, Marcus. That was great. Thank you very much for that. Thank you very much. That was a great episode with Marcus. Really enjoyed talking to him and hope you found it interesting. Next week, we'll be back with an Irish coach, Joe Dwyer, who spent most of his working career in the US working with all sorts of top players. He shares loads of details on what's needed to become a top tennis player, as well as some fun stories from his experience on the tour. As I mentioned previously, make sure to go to functionaltennis.com, check out our journals if you haven't seen them before, and also tap the subscribe button. But until next week, go out there, hit some tennis balls, and have some fun. Bye.